All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 1 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. Uh, Dylan and Biebs are not with us this week. Instead, I've got two guests, Stam and Idris, from The Hockey Code. I'm sure you guys have seen it all over Daily Faceoff over the last couple days. I've been absolutely pumping their contract projections. Uh, across the site because they've been fantastic. So, Sam, Idris, how's it going, boys? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Going great. Nice to be here. No problem. Yeah, you guys, uh, Puckpedia turned me on to your guys' projections, and I started looking at them, and I'm like, ooh, I like these. And then people started signing contracts, and then they were bang on. I'm like, okay, we got something here. I like it. So uh, I think you guys basically nailed the Max Domi contract, like right to the number, which was impressive. Um, so why don't you guys just tell me a little bit about how you guys kind of came to came together on this and how you guys managed to work out these numbers. Cause I'm always like trying to figure out like, what's this guy going to sign for? Uh, what's the term going to be? And it's always kind of a bit of a guess. You never really have a good idea, but you guys seem to have, have it nailed down. How did you figure this out? Yeah, for sure. Um, so this started kind of a few months back, um, back in, in COVID times, dark days, we, uh, we were kind of starved for hockey and things to do. And um, actually, Adelissa tweeting put together Eiselhack, um, which was an initiative to get the community together and 
um, you know, it was kind of a lifeline for us. And that's actually how we, we linked up. Um, so we've connected after that. And turns out that, uh, you know, both, both from Montreal um, or based out of Montreal for the moment. And we had uh, a lot of interest in common and turns out that we have complementary skill sets and one thing kind of led to the other. So um, on my end, I, I help agents and, and teams with, with contract projections and negotiations. And that's kind of my niche around kind of cap management. And um, Simon is very skilled around um, playing around with numbers and, and building models. Um, he, he worked previously at, at SportLogic um, and had a lot of success over there. So I think that we felt like we both had um, a lot that we brought to the table. And, and the, the vision was to bring kind of both of our skills together and, and, and more of them into something that could be, you know, tangible and, um, you know, empower, you know, hockey execs and, and engage with hockey fans as well. So um, out of all the kind of lists of different initiatives that, that we wanted to look at, I think the contract projections was the one that resonated with us most. So um, we kind of embarked in, in a journey of multiple Zoom calls and, and late nights of gathering the data, crunching it, and then uh, making sense of it all. So um, that, that's kind of at, at a high level, but I'll, I'll turn it over to Sam too so he can add some color to that. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I, I would echo everything Idris said. Um, we linked up early in pandemic times, as he said, uh, probably not thinking that we were still going to be in this world of Zoom calls that we are now. But um, and, and like he said, we have kind of skill sets that um, I think do complement each other well. Um, I have more of an analytics data science background and Idris does his uh, consulting contract service for, for the hockey code. And uh, we felt like, obviously, this is not the first time anyone has made contract projections. We've seen the uh, Evolving Wilds, excellent work, and um, Matt Kane in the past as well. And uh, we kind of wanted to, you know, take an approach uh, of not just a quantitative approach, but blending kind of quantitative analysis with um, really deep industry expertise as well and, and kind of take, uh, you know, Blend, blend the data and, and common sense together and see if we can make better projections out of it. Yeah, and I guess if one thing came out of COVID, it, it was these contract projections. One positive to come out of this whole <laughs> pandemic, they, they've been spot on so far. Um, that's very interesting. I mean, I, not every day you get to, to talk to guys uh, that are as smart as you guys. I mean, I just write about what, you, what they sign. You guys really have a, a deep understanding of this. So uh, very interesting stuff. Um, let's just talk a little bit about some of these top dogs uh, that are available on the free agent market. We, you know, every single season we see uh, crazy amounts of money being spent uh, on free agents, but with the flat cap this year, do you expect that that could have any effect on your projections? Um, you know what you guys, or did you guys kind of take that into account? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think that's something that we've seen, like, like you said, the projections have looked pretty good. Uh, thus far, um, you know, uh, very humbled that, that you said we were smart guys. We'll see come uh, noon tomorrow if we still look smart, but um, yeah, like, like the flat cap's definitely going to have an impact and these are, you know, unprecedented times. And when you, when you go about building a model to, to make a pr prediction like we're doing for contracts, you do it using historical data and all of the, the past contract data these contracts were signed in a world where, you know, the cap was going up year over year. So even though we do normalize our projections in terms of, we don't predict a dollar value, we predict 
a percent of the cap so that that's you know consistent year to year so we adjust for it in that way but there's still going to be i think kind of a, a portion that cannot be explained that's going to be different this year just because of the financial circumstances that teams are operating under and if I, if I may add to that, I think we were very cognizant from the outset that, you know, these are numbers coming from a model, but the reality of the way that these negotiations are happening in real life, I mean, there's a lot of external factors that are really difficult to quantify. So supply and demand, how much does the team want the player? How much does the player want to play for that team? Um, what is the cap situation of that team, short, medium, and long-term? Um, you know, what, what is some of the personal um, incentives that the players are, are valuing at a premium, whether that's location or lower tax rates. So, you know, from what we've kind of seen, you know, with some of these latest signings is, you know, certainly there is a marketplace. And I think the objective of the model was, was not to say like, hey, we think at 100% confidence that this is where it's going to land. It was more so of, you know, taking a stab at what we may think will happen with the full kind of caveat and understanding that there's some external factors like a, a flat cap that's going to influence kind of where some of these deals end up. Um, so that was kind of something that, you know, Sam and I were very cognizant throughout this process is, is kind of getting away from just looking at numbers as, as a kind of a, a recipe to, uh, to rule them all, but just try to implement some, some more, um, um, I guess, applicability um, to how we build the model. So looking things as, you know, UFA years being sold, RFA years being sold, trade clauses, I think was one of the things that we're really excited to add, um, predicting whether or not that's something that's going to be included um, in the deal. Um, so that's, that's kind of some of the, some of the high level approach that we took and, and try to bring it um, to the model. But like Sam said, we'll, we'll see how we land uh, at the end of this week. Well, the one thing that's really interesting is that it might not so much affect some of these big fish in the market because there's going to be so many teams chasing them. I think the one thing we've seen change is normally these RFAs, like they all just get tendered for the most part. And then this year, there's really been some big names, uh, Anthony Duclair, Dominic Cahoon come to mind uh, first that you'd think on any given year they'd be tendered. But at this point they're kind of trying to save and go elsewhere. And then there's been, um, I think I, I might be wrong, but I think that there's been more trades, more cap maneuvering uh, over the last couple of days than there has been in years past teams, uh, especially like Columbus kind of trying to make sure uh, they can cover an offer sheet perhaps for, for Pierre-Luc Dubois or maybe going after a, a bigger fish potentially. Um, so that might be uh, affecting it a little bit more than the UFAs. And then you mentioned it, the tax as well. It's hard when you're building a model. Obviously, uh, we've seen players sign for slightly less AAVs. Um, in places like Tampa Bay where the, the, there's notes tax um, and you can't take that into account when you're projecting, obviously. But um, like I said, the, they've been uh, spot on so far. So best of luck tomorrow. I'm sure it's going to be fun for you guys to kind of track it uh, all day. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, to your point about cat maneuvering, you know, this is what we kind of live for, right? This is, this is the kind of stuff that really um, resonates. So you know, coming from a world um, in financial services and, and, and sales and negotiation, you get an appreciation for, for different types of marketplaces. And I think what we're seeing right now is extremely unique, um, both from a taking advantage of opportunities perspective, but like you've mentioned, playing some defense ahead of, of potential um, offer sheets. Um, I can't recall a year where we had so many aggressive buyouts. Um, I think that's another thing that kind of stood out to me over the past few weeks is, is, 
you know, ownership are footing the bill because it gives their GM and, the, and their front office the opportunity to take advantage of some of these RFAs who were not QO'd. You know, thinking a guy like Anthony Duclair, um, you know, he was at the All-Star game and I think he really picked up his career uh, in Ottawa and I thought he was a great fit, uh, fit there. But you can also, on the other side, look at everybody else who's hitting the free agency market, all of these other teams who are looking to, to move over some contracts. So you're, you're in a position now, if you're a team that, you know, maybe having max flexibility allows you to take advantage of those opportunities. While in the past, you would just QO your guys because you wouldn't have kind of as much access to some of this, some of these assets in the free, um, free, free agency market or, or via trades. As a Red Wings fan, I was absolutely elated, just over the moon when they finally bought out Applicator. I've been waiting for that day for, for pretty much since he signed that contract. So I'm, I'm glad Iserman decided to finally uh, go the buyout route there. Growing up a Wings fan uh, as well, I, um, I, I would echo that. Like, uh, I, I think it was a smart decision. Um, it, it was a bit sad as well. Like I, like I said, I'm, I'm from Grand Rapids and you know, grew up watching him play and everything, but it, it it's certainly uh, the writing was kind of on the wall there. Um, but, but again, it's interesting because they could have, um, you would think with their window to compete, not necessarily being, you know, in the next couple of years, you, you would have thought maybe they would just let it sit, uh, bury the deal in the AHL. But like, like you just said, uh, whether it's to actually try to go out there and make moves in free agency, or if it's just to, you know, maximize flexibility in the short term for any number of purposes, it's, it's interesting that they did go that route. Uh, now rather than waiting a little bit yeah one of uh the co-hosts of this podcast actually he said the exact same thing as you he's like they're really not like they're not gonna spend up to the cap ceiling i don't think this year so it, it does seem kind of weird uh the timing of the whole bio but um i thought maybe that they were going to use that cap space potentially to do kind of another one of those mark stall trades where they take on a, an expiring contract to pick up another asset they haven't done that now um, you'd think that that would have happened before free agency, but maybe they are going to be aggressive tomorrow. Uh, maybe there'll, there'll be a team to, to watch. It, it's interesting. Um, I've seen their, their name linked to a number of different kind of mid tier players. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but this is not a Detroit Red Wings podcast. Um, this is a NHL podcast. So let's just focus, uh, a little bit on some of the top guys in free agency. Uh, Alex Petriangelo is at the top of your guys' list. Uh, you yeah. guys have him projected eight years at 10.54 AAV. It's very rare to see um, a defenseman of this caliber hit the open market like this, uh, especially at just 30 years old. I mean, he still, you'd think, has some pretty good days uh, ahead of him. And uh, he's just so good all around. What do you guys think? Uh, a 10 million, obviously a, a pretty lofty expectation, but when you're the top defenseman, top player available, um, he could absolutely command that tomorrow. What do you guys think about Alex Petriangelo? I mean, yeah, I think, go ahead, Idris. I was just going to say, I mean, what, what's there not to love? You got yourself, you know, a right shot leader who's won a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, this guy comes into your room and he changes the complete dynamic of your core. So it's, it's kind of rare to see kind of some of these high caliber players hit the open market where you have the opportunity to add them to your group. So, you know, I expect the phone to ring um, and, and his agent to be quite busy tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'd be interested also to see, you know, does he take maybe a shorter term deal to, to, to win another cup and, and hit, hit back the market? Um, you know, because of, of escrows, that's going to be 20% next year. Um, a lot of these kind of 
numbers, they seem high on the on a cap table. But if we back it out after tax, after escrow, net cash in pocket, um, you know, there's an argument to be made that these players still want to um, to maximize their their earnings because you know it's these are their career years. So I'm really excited to see kind of you know where it's going to shape up and you know have a bit of a theory that that there may be some players who will who will take a bit less to be with a group that allows them to win. You know, even a player like a caliber like Taylor Hall or um, or Tory Krug, kind of a one or two year, then come right back up and do this whole song and dance all over again. So um, it'll be interesting to see where 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 this uh, this one lands. Sam, anything to add to that? No, for sure. I would echo everything that uh, Idris said. And, and as you said, we haven't projected at eight times ten point five. I mean, obviously, if he if he's not back in St. Louis, he's not going to get that. Uh, eight-year term now and and I wouldn't be surprised if it's something you know instead that starts with a nine because it sounds like that's kind of what he's been asking for and and it sounds like they've kind of said okay well we'll see you know go test the market and see if that's what's uh what's really out there so uh, you know it's possible we're a little bit high there um COVID times and flat cap all, all things considered but um I think obviously the player thinks he's worth something close to that and it's kind of hard to argue with at this point so just to add to that, maybe, maybe a shameless plug, um, Sam and I, um, we shared kind of a breakdown of, of cap projections based off the number of years um, of potential term. So this was something that, that we, uh, we tweeted out this morning. So for example, on a seven-year deal, we got him at uh, 9.7. I did see that actually. Uh, I had just been looking at the one page the whole time. And then right before we came on, I was clicking around and saw that. And I was like, oh shit, this is... It's even better than I thought it was. It's excellent. Uh, the one team that I've seen rumored to him potentially going to, obviously he's got uh, ties to Toronto, but uh, also Vegas seems to be kind of a team that's interested in signing him. And that to me is just absolutely terrifying. Like Shea Theodore looked amazing in the playoffs. And then you add Alex Petrangelo to a team that, that, that's already pretty dominant. That's, that's really scary. Yeah. I think, I think if you look at the growth in Shea Theodore's game over the past two seasons, and then you give him an opportunity to learn from a leader like Petrangelo, the value to that franchise, I mean, it's unreal what, what can be happening there. Um, Vegas has done such a great job, their front office and ownership, to, to build a squad in, in, in this, you know, parody league, which, which everybody's hunting for that competitive advantage, to be able to build a culture of that magnitude. And, um, you know, it'll be, uh, if they're able to move some cap, and I think that they've got some really great pieces um, that, I, that I think can help a lot of other organizations, um, you know, it would be, it would be a splash. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you said that you, sorry about that, Sam. I was just going to say, you look at a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, you have to expect him to be moving tomorrow. And then that just starts to open up uh, all the different avenues for them. For sure. Um, I mean, and my question really with Vegas, I think, you know, obviously it is a scary proposition because they're already a dominant team and, and adding him uh, to that defense core alongside Shea Theodore would, uh, would really be something. But, uh, you know, my question kind of is, is that what Vegas needs? I mean, they're already a, a dominant team when it comes to possession and shot share and things like this, like not to go uh, down, down too much of a rabbit hole. But uh, you saw kind of in the playoffs when they were bounced, people were talking about you know, is what they need actually scoring? And do they actually have a problem when it comes to scoring up front and, and they're winning that shot share battle, but not 
uh, finishing. And, and the counter argument to that is maybe it's just the small sample of the playoffs. But, um, you know, you also do wonder about sort of too much of a good thing. And, uh, you know, you bring in another elite defenseman, maybe at the expense of some scoring punch. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, and don't be afraid to get too analytical here on this podcast. That's what we're all about. So if you want to take it down that road, we're, we're ready for it. And our listeners are too. Um, I did see some stuff about Paul Stastny potentially being moved. And I think that's another, that's a spot that they could definitely potentially use an upgrade is, uh, you know, I like Stastny. I think he's a good player. Uh, his underlying numbers are always terrific, but um, maybe not as good of a second line center as, as you need if you want to win the Stanley Cup. And we, we shall see. Uh, let's move on to uh, Taylor Hall. It's, I said it's very abnormal to see uh, somebody like Petrangelo on the free agency market. This has got to be the only time ever we've got like a legitimate number one defenseman, yeah. uh, former first overall pick, and a future Hall of Famer in Henrik Lundqvist, all available in the free agency market. I don't think that's ever happened before. But Taylor Hall, former number one overall pick, he's never played on a good hockey team. Is this his chance to go to a winning team? I mean, I would challenge that he's never played in a good hockey team. I mean, the year that he won the, uh, the Hart Trophy with, uh, with the Devils, I thought that uh, that entire group uh, made some amazing things. But it just goes to show, this is a very difficult league to win in. And the margin for, you know, winning and losing is so thin that, you know, we were talking about a Vegas a moment ago. You know, maybe adding a little bit more of what you have that's excellent puts you over, over the top. Um, so, you know, always cognizant of, you know, the parity and um, law of attrition around competitive advantage. So Taylor Hall is someone who's going to, you know, have an impact. But I think that with that level of skill, he's going to look for a situation where he can compete over the long term. And I think that's where he's going to have a lot of options if, if some of these, um, you know, teams put their best foot forward and, and, and they can add him to, to a group. Um, you know, thinking back at the impact that John Tavares in Toronto made to that organization overnight, it went from a middle of the pack to a, you know, top of the Eastern Conference and here we go type of thing. So it's, it's so hard to get those players and develop them in your system that once you get an opportunity to get them from in free agency, and if you get them, well, that means that your competitors in your division or conference, well, they don't get them. To me, that's kind of a double positive, even if you have to, you know, quote unquote, bid a little bit higher or um, what may be perceived as an overpay. I think that if you get him and somebody else doesn't and what he can bring to the table, there's a lot of value here. Sam? Yeah, I would agree with, agree with most of that. I think, um, you know, not to, be, not to be a downer again, but I think if you were to look at sort of the drop-off, obviously our, our, our top two projected free agents are Petrangelo and, and Hall just, just a little bit below him. And I think the difference there is obviously Hall is, you know, he, he's an MVP player. He's, a, he's an incredibly valuable player. Um, he's also a winger. And I think how much a winger can move the needle in, in terms of it in comparison to a, a number one defenseman or a number one center when you touched on Tavares, I think it comes a lot more down to fit and you know, are you putting him in an environment, in the right environment? I think he can really push a team over the top. Um, but it's, you know, it's a little bit less to me of like a, a plug and play like you would with, you know, Petrangelo plugging him in on your top pair is going to help any team. Tavares as a, you know, number one or in Toronto, maybe number two center is going to help any team. So I think, I think it's a little bit more complex when it comes to Taylor Hall. Um, but obviously he's, 
he's an incredibly valuable player and I'm curious to see where he, where he ends up. It'd be really interesting. I mean, they, they have a couple of RFAs to sign, but they have tons of room to play with. Like there's certain situations where I think he definitely moves the needle. If he goes to a team, that's already good. Like I'm looking at Colorado as a potential landing spot. They've talked about it uh, in the media in Colorado. I don't know if it's a, it's, if it's a thing that's going to happen, but if you look at just, they have to try to take advantage of this McKinnon contract, like eventually that contract is going to end and they're going to have to sign them to a, a real player contract instead of the 6.3 that they just lucked yeah. into for the last five years. But they have to take advantage of that. And they, they're in a really nice situation right now. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got McCarr still uh, on his entry level deal here next year. They have this, I wouldn't say it's a small window because they're still a pretty young team, but they have a smaller window than I think people would, would give them, credit for and i think if he goes there he moves the needle a ton if he came to detroit they'd still be dog shit um so but it's just it's weird because there isn't that number one center out there this year there is no john tavares there's really no centers at all um i mean which is, which is interesting yeah on the center you got you got sam reinhardt um who's an rfa you got ryan Strom. so i mean if we go down the list here in terms of, of who's a center and a ufa um, like Mikel Granlund is like, and he's been playing on the wing for the last couple of years. It's really, it's, no. it's, it's thin. It's, it's wild. Normally there's a couple this year. It's just littered with wingers, you know, Mike Hoffman, perennial 30 goal scorer. He, he, he would help a team on the power play, but there's really not a lot of hugely impactful players out there. But, um, what do you guys think? If you guys had to guess, where's Taylor Hall going tomorrow? Just for fun. Just for fun, eh? Sam, <laughs> this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it is hard to guess. Um, I, I was listening to, uh, Max Domi talk on, uh, Hockey Central today about, uh, his, his move to Columbus and Columbus, like we said, has has cleared out some space. So I'm going to go and say, just cause I think it'd be really interesting. Um, maybe he ends up in Columbus. Idris, you like got one for me. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Colorado fit. Um, growing up in Montreal, being a Patrick Wall fan since uh, since his days of glory, I've I've always loved that franchise, and and I think now they're poised for for really amazing things. Um, I could see the Rangers making a pitch. They've always had a knack for for making a splash in free agency, even days before the cap, with you know getting getting Brad Richards on board and um, Yager. They, they're always around, and I think that as an organization. Um, you know, Jeff Gordon and his team over there are, are really rebuilding pretty aggressively. Um, you know, you saw them move up in the draft and, um, and, and um, are really being proactive with how they're building this organization. So um, I would just think if you think about a left flank with Panarin, Hall, um, Lafreniere on your third left wing, I mean, um, <laughs> that, that would be a scary thought for, for all Eastern teams, I would say. If, if he just stays on the left side, if Chris Kreider's your fourth line left winger, that's terrifying. Yeah, and, and I'm sure some of these guys, they can play off their off wings. Like that's For sure. probably something that they're going to, you know, evaluate. Um, but yeah, if we, go, if we go through the list, I mean, Colorado's a great fit because they have the skill. Um, Columbus also, I think, ha- hasn't really replaced Panarin since he left. They've done an amazing job by committee. Um, to be competitive. And, and I think that just goes to show that um, you can compete in this league if you have the right people in your organization. And, 
and, and, and things uh, kind of click together at the right time. So, you know, to me, I think they've got such a strong culture over there that even with, with Bob leaving, uh, Bobrovsky leaving last year and, and Panarin, um, you know, they, they, they took Tampa to the distance. Like that was the hard fought series. So, I mean, I wouldn't sleep on Columbus for a second. I think that they've done an amazing job over there. Um, you know, thinking about a team like, um, I would love to see Carolina. I don't think it'll happen, but I would just, they, they need just that second line, like Sebastian Ajo, Svechnikov, Tervon, and they're so good. They're just so dominant every time they're on the ice, but they just lack that second line, third line punch uh, offensively. And it showed in the playoffs this year. Seem like, seem like them, if they could, you know, maybe move Reimer uh, and then it frees up another $3 million. Never know. Yeah. So Carolina has about, um, a little bit over seven mil in cap as we speak. Um, they're still an interesting have to sign team. Hayden Fleury, I think, too, right? Yeah, they still got some signings. I mean, they're one of the teams that, in terms of how they manage their cap, I think it's super interesting. So, as we know, every organization has that 50 contract limit. Um, and Carolina only has 27 players locked in. They have so much room to take on contracts. Um, it's ridiculous. So, you know, that's an opportunity for them to add some depth, but it's also an opportunity for them to, um, to add top line talent. And, and if they're able to, to lure a player like Hall, you know, that bunch of jerk is going to piss off a lot of people. Then. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to another, uh, defenseman here. We'll, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm from nearby Michigan is Livonia and uh, Grand Rapids. Are they pretty close? <laughs> about a two-hour drive. Livonia is in the Detroit area. I uh, used to drive over there all the time as a kid to, to play games, but um, opposite sides of the state. So is Tory Krug coming home then? Is that what you're saying? He's coming back to Livonia? That, that is not necessarily what I'm saying. Please oh. do not quote me on that. I, I, was, I thought I was reading between the lines there, but uh, I guess not. So yeah. Tory Krug from Livonia, Michigan. I hope he comes home. He's an absolute stud. But you guys have projected five years, $8.03 million. Um, you know, obviously this is an interesting spot because you'd think that the team that misses out potentially on Petrangelo would immediately turn to try to sign Krug, uh, albeit, you know, different, different players, but still just, you know, he might be maybe marginally less impactful, uh, than Petrangelo. What do you guys think about Tory Krug heading into Friday? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think obviously, uh, like you said, some some people may view him as as kind of that consolation prize to Petrangelo, but it, but he really is a different player. Like Petrangelo is that that uh, all around, you know, number one defenseman can do it all, and and Krug obviously brings a lot of value um, in terms of his offensive ability, his skating. Um, he, he's a, he's a phenomenal player, um, but he's not the the guy in that Boston defense, right? I mean, they, they have McAvoy, um, they have Char, who's still playing a, a significant role, obviously, even at this advanced age. And um, obviously, a lot of where Krug brings his value is, is offensively and specifically on the power play. And I think that's valuable for any team. But I think there is some risk there of that Boston power play is, is loaded and has such chemistry from working together for years, and you remove him from that environment. And uh, you're not sure kind of what drop-off you're going to get. So I think if you're a team that has um, some other strong defensive 
defenseman and you're going to plug him in on your first power play and, and count on that offense for the next four or five years, I, I think it would be a really good fit. But I think, um, you know, there's risk there as well. And I, I think you have to consider that. Yeah, those are terrific points. It's a little bit similar to, I would say, kind of like Tyson Berry going to Toronto. Just he he's not that top end uh, top end defenseman. He and he was exposed when he went to Toronto, and there wasn't this like clear alpha male in that uh, on that blue line. And Krug Tech has been playing these more sheltered defensive minutes throughout his career. He's been a second pairing guy behind Chara his entire career. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of step forward and de- turn into a number one defenseman if he goes to a team that doesn't have one of those. But I mean, at you know, what is he, 29 years old? I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of room for growth here. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about in terms of a fit. Um, so I think this is a very different world than, you know, plugging a player on, on your NHL, PS4 kind of roster. And, um, you know, these are people that, that will react to different environments that um, will play off each other differently. And I think that's where um, kind of the intangible side of the game really kind of takes front, front place, front and center is, is are you adding a piece to the group that's going to fit well in the group? Um, you know, in terms of potential lining spots, um, I'd like to see, I'd like to see, um, teams who've, who've historically have had really deep blue lines. Um, I'm thinking about, uh, Nashville Preds. They've got some cap space and holes to fill, um, in a very competitive Western conference. Um, also Calgary Flames, they've got an opportunity to shape that entire defense. Um, with a lot of guys hitting up free agency. So to me, I would, I would say in terms of like offensive, contribution um i think krug is is leading that pack for defensemen and then probably kind of a consolation prize which which i still think is a terrific player would be tyson berry it'll be interesting to see how tyson berry bounces back because he was so good for so many years in colorado and then it just didn't work in toronto and when it doesn't work in a place like toronto it kind of gets blown out of proportion more than if you were in any other market um the one thing I want you guys to kind of touch on and I, and I don't hope I'm not putting you on the spot too much, but based on your guys projections, um, is there any players maybe in the, you know, towards the top or the middle or even the bottom that really kind of stands out to you as potentially terrific value. If they were to, you know, sign every player was to sign the contract that you have projected right now. Is there a player that sticks out to you as like, Oh man, like if, if he signs his contract, a team's getting a steal here. You want to go first, Idris? Yeah, so I'm really excited to see, and, and you guys are going to like this one because it's, it's right in your backyard, but I'm excited to see what's going to happen with Anthony Mantha. I think this kid's got goals for dates. He's a big body right shot. Um, so I, I really like the opportunity of adding a player like that to your core. Um, and I think, you know, around the high fives and, and middle six, depending on how far you go with term, to me, that's, that's fair market value for that. Um, so I, I think that's a player that I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing what's going to be happening. So you think Detroit won't re-sign him as an RFA and he's going to go somewhere else? No, I'm saying he's staying in Detroit. Staying in Detroit, okay. Yeah, and I I'm think staying- I, I, when I saw your guys' projection, I was very excited about that. I was like, I really, really like that number. If they can get him right around there, less than, less than William Nylander. Uh, for me, that's important because it's all my buddies are Toronto fans. So we're all, I'm trying to – hopefully the Red Wings get back on top of that rivalry one day. But – um, I think that's ter- terrific market value if he signs right around there uh, in Detroit. I'd absolutely love it. And I still think that he's just kind of 
hitting, hitting his stride, finding his way in this league. And each year he looks better and better. Um, and there's only, there's only a matter of time before this guy scores 40 goals. In my opinion, he just, he's just got that uh, as long as he can stay healthy and that team continues to kind of build around him. I think 40 goals is, is in his future. Yeah, there's, there's no question that historically the way that players have developed in that Detroit system, I mean, you know, it's, it's legendary and, and, um, you know, this is, this is going to be Iserman's, uh, I guess, first, the end of his first year as, as uh, taking reins of the team. So to me, I think that's just going to continue. Um, I think that he's going to, he's going to uh, double down on, on that culture of developing internally. And, you know, we just, we just wrapped up the draft, um, you know, a, a few hours ago, just uh, um, yesterday. So it, it just goes to show that when you draft these assets, well, you got to make them into something and, and the players need to, um, need to grow. So, um, you know, you, you either do it internally and, and, and you have your player development guys and, and coaches do a phenomenal job. Um, but you're also able to utilize um, free agency as a ways to, to, to plug in some holes. So to me, when I see kind of how GMs and, and how front offices are, are, are putting together their, their roster and their cap tables, like to me, you got to look at every single option available to you. And I think, you know, we touched briefly, briefly on offer sheets, um, you know, good on, good on Columbus to play some defense and, 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 and weaponize the cap in a way of either deterring an offer sheet or potentially going out and, in, 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 and making a bid for a player like Taylor Hall. And I think that's, you know, that just speaks to, um, you know, the professionalism and the expertise of, of some of these GMs. Sam, who's a big value for you? Yeah, I mean, just to pick up on on the tail end of what Idris was saying about offer sheets, like like asking this question about value, I think naturally lends itself to to getting into that offer sheet conversation, which is always kind of kind of a touchy subject. But um, I think if you look at our projections, you know, it, it does highlight with the Tampa Bay RFAs. If you look at a Sergachev or a Sorelli, like what they're projected um, by us or others projections or just kind of what Tampa has the capacity to pay them. Like, like a lot of people have been saying, I think um, they would be good value at, at, at those prices. And I, and I think, you know, some teams are probably going to think seriously about that, but I think as well, transitioning away from the offer sheet, but staying um, in Tampa Bay, I think Kevin Shattenkirk, we have projected at uh, two years, uh, 3.7, 3.8 million. Um, I think it's interesting. I was reading a, um, I think it was a Justin Bourne piece earlier today and, and he brought up Kevin Shattenkirk and said, you know, when he left New York, everyone was so down on him. Oh, oh he can't play. And then he comes back to, um, gets bought out, comes, comes to Tampa Bay on, you know, um, a pretty team friendly deal and, and performs well as not having to play as a number one defenseman, but playing in a more sheltered role while getting some power play time and all that. And, and, and I think what Justin Bourne pointed out is like people are so low on him. Now they're so high on him. And, and the truth is probably somewhere in between, right? If you can play him in that correct role, um, you know, I think two years at, you know, under 4 million on the right team is going to be good value. Um, and I would also, if you'll allow me to point to one other player, I would say Absolutely. Dennis Gurionov. Um, Gurionov is another guy that uh, we have projected on um, – just two years, a little over 2 million. Um, and I think, you know, he obviously hasn't shown a lot in the league yet. He's shown a lot of potential and, and had a good year and some really good showings in the playoffs while playing pretty limited 
minutes. But I think, you know, in a year or two, that low of a number could really look like a steal uh, in Dallas. Oh, he was literally their entire second power play unit uh, throughout yeah. the entire postseason run. It was like, okay, first unit, no goal. Okay, throw a second unit out and feed it to Giryanov and let him just unload bombs on the net like the whole time. That's all they did. And he's got a rocket. I, I absolutely love Giryanov. And going back to Shattenkirk for a second, you'd think that maybe a team like Nashville – uh, would have looked kind of at what Tampa Bay did and said, hey, maybe this is guys a fit. They've got that just, you know, such a stable top four that maybe they can bring somebody like Shattenkirk in to play on the third pair, same way he did in Tampa. Can move up if he has to and play on that second power play unit, whether, you know, that, and that allows them to put Yossi and Ellis on the top unit and gives them so much flexibility and, and kind of um, just lets Shattenkirk do what he did in Tampa Bay. I think that that'd be a team that if they added him, it would be a perfect fit. No, absolutely. I agree. I think that's a great point. Uh, for me, I had him. Where did he go? Oh, I, I don't know if I absolutely uh, am dead wrong on this guy, but when um, Buffalo didn't um, tender Dominic Cahoon, I thought that was pretty wild. Uh, I don't think he's a world beater, but I think he's a guy that can definitely play in your top six. Uh, you know, still just 25 years old. And you guys have, have him at two years, $2.88 million. Uh, I think that's a really good number for a guy that you could um, probably plug on your second line. Uh, if, you're, if you're deep and he plays on your third line, then you're laughing. Uh, I think that's a really good number for somebody like that. It's really kind of just a low risk uh, a play. I, I do think he's going to have a lot of suitors tomorrow, though, so that might drive the number up a little bit because I think a lot of people were caught off guard by them kind of just letting him walk. Yeah, I think you're also going to see, especially for that um, middle of the pack kind of price range, I think you're going to see a lot of teams being a little bit stingy over there. Top guys, they always get paid. I mean, yep. that's just the way it goes. Um, and then you have kind of that second tier, which is, you know, kind of take your money while you can. And then before you know it, who's got money left to spend? And it's, you're lucky to get an NHL job type of conversation. So I kind of feel like it'll be really interesting to see how quickly we fall into that category of, the middle guys and 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 I think that we're going to see a lot of teams maybe a little bit uh, more cautious because of the the stagnant cap. So um, in some player or some asset categories, I don't think you're going to be seeing a lot of overbids unless the front office sees something that you know nobody else sees or or they value more than 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 another organization. Um, but yeah, Dominic Cahun is still a young guy. He's 24. Um, I think you milk his RFA years um, so you get a bit more of a sample size. And, and you know what? That could also play in the benefit of the year of uh, the player. Um, For sure. Get more ice time, take on more responsibilities. And, and after that, you're positioned for that, uh, you know, that kind of third career contract. Um, you're positioned nicely. Escrow is going to be much lower. Um, so our, our, my perspective is, is, you know, it's got to make sense for the team. It's got to make sense for, for the player. And, and that's how you, you kind of get those win-win deals that, you know, don't get bought out and everybody's happy and you're not setting anybody in the minors or anything like that. Um, so I think, I think that'll be kind of an interesting um, uh, player to watch and, and sticking around that kind of depth center line. I think Cody Eakin is going to, is going to help a team. Um, you got a seasoned um, NHLer um, that um, has a lot of experience. And I think that um, his ability to play center and then also move to the wing um, you know, he's a bit of a, uh, a Swiss army knife type of player. So um, we got him at around uh, uh, 1.6 mil. And I think um, for a team looking to add some, some affordable depth and, and some veteran presence and leadership, I think this guy fits the bill very nicely. 
yeah, you got to look at a team kind of like Edmonton that would absolutely love to bring somebody like Cody Eakin in. They, they haven't had a third line center in a decade. I don't think, um, damn, I had a really good point when you were talking there and I completely forgot it. Um, son of a bitch. Um, but anyways, boys, I guess I'll cut it off there. And if I remember here in the next five minutes, I'll bring it up, but, uh, it's been a pleasure. I, uh, absolutely. I think I've said it nine times already, but I absolutely love the projections. They look phenomenal. I'm really excited to, to plug in the actual contract details right beside the contract projections tomorrow and see how it all pans out. Uh, but based on what you guys have said here today, I I'm sold. I, I, I believe that you guys are going to be pretty much right on the whole way across the board. I don't mean to oversell it, but, uh, it's going to be fun. And obviously I think having the draft, like it's been a weird year, uh, having the draft and then free agency two days later has been, I, what more could a hockey fan ask for? I mean, it's just trades and signings galore in a week span. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah, it's great. And, and thanks so much for, for the kind words. Uh, really appreciate that. Appreciate uh, you getting us here and, uh, and, and talking uh, some shops. So uh, big thank you. Fan of, fan of your work. So keep up, uh, keep up the great work. Thanks. And uh, I, I'm sure I'd be glad if you guys are, if you guys, would want to, I'd be glad to have you guys back on maybe uh, next week sometime or a week after to kind of see how everything worked out. Maybe we can talk some more shop and see, uh, see which teams got better and which teams didn't. That'd be great, bro. Awesome boys. Thank you so and much. Yeah. And, and everybody, please make sure you head over to uh, daily face off. I've got the hockey code projections littered all over the website. If you want to go to them directly, it's at thehockeycode.com, and they've got all your contract projection needs there and be sure during the entirety of tomorrow's and the entire weekend's free agency festivities, be sure to check out puckpedia.com for all your contract needs. Find out uh, how much, each team has to spend who they still need to sign. So uh, I'm Brock Segan. We got Idris and we got Sam. Thank you again, boys. And we will see you guys here next week. Thanks so much. Take care, everyone. Thanks. Baby, be my fire. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 